So, I could not really wrap my head around this, but it's been a long time since the Spider-Man film franchise started. It, um, but even though it keeps... Um, there, there always seems to be a fear of doing the same thing as the previous version. Uh, despite that, one thing that all these Spider-Man movies have in common is that they all have... Um, they all make good use of Spider-Man's famous comic book villains. Uh, besides Batman, Spider-Man probably has the most famous villains in all of comic book history. Um, so when you look at when you look at uh, Vulture in Homecoming, they kind of reframed him into this tragic character, uh, this tragic figure who was somewhat relatable. He just needed to live and pay his bills, support his family, etc. And the one constant through all of those uh, Spider-Man movies, despite on who was in charge of those, is that they're all kind of tragic, somewhat sympathetic, and relatable characters. So, I've gathered us here today to kind of track um, how villains have been depicted through those movies. And I thought it would be appropriate if, before uh, talking about Vulture specifically, we talk about all the pre-MCU Spider-Man villains. So... Welcome to episode 28 of AP Marvel. Uh, I'm Chris Compendio. I'm here with Izzy Cho. Hi. Uh, I'm here with Anthony, who's hey. doing great today. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm alright. I'm doing good. <laughs> and uh, Thomas Lockney <laughs> is our guest Hello, today. Hello, everybody. <laughs> always... Hi, I'm the guest. Yeah, I embarrassingly asked you how to pronounce your last name right before this, and I know, because it was, uh, it was a doozy, let's say. But uh, Thomas... Oh, quite alright. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about what you do. Who are you? Hi, uh, my name is Thomas Lockney. Um, I currently I work at uh, a video game translation firm as a uh, English editor, um, but I also help co-run the uh, Major Casts podcast network, and I have several projects on that. Cool. You are you are the game dude. Yes, I'm I'm the game dude on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> because you are the the one and only game dude apparently. Um, the eponymous game dude. Yes, yes, as made famous by insert yes, there's title a... of game later, I don't know. <laughs> Actually, yeah, yeah, that name that name comes from there's a really really cool um uh Los Angeles game store used and new called just just called Game Dude. <laughs> Um, it's in, it's in North Hollywood and it's a really incredible story. If anyone listening has the opportunity to go there, I would highly recommend it. They've got like all this old paraphernalia from like the nineties. There's like doom cutouts. Oh, the nineties. Oh, so old. They have, (laughs) they have, uh, all sorts of like old game, like original copies of old games and such. Mm. It's a really, really well run store and it's really. That's awesome. Only 90s kids get this. Um, <laughs> anywho, um, Spider-Man, the Spider-Man, uh, the Spider-Dude, let's call him. Um, have you have you all seen all of the, I guess it's been six Spider-Man movies, is that correct? Yes. Yes. Right. Um, how much do you guys remember the first Spider-Man movie uh, directed by Sam Raimi in 2002? Pretty well, actually. Mm-hmm. That one... You that mess one... with one of us, you mess with all of us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a very significant post-9-11 uh, American film. Yeah. Um, yes. It had the, uh, the, the band's removed trailer of 
um, some sort of, I don't know if it was like a bank robbery or a terrorist attack or something like that, but he escaped in a helicopter and Spider-Man uh, traps them by webbing them up between the Twin Towers, uh, which Oof. would not Oof. work in that context anymore after after all that. So, uh, yeah, um, that was not a scene that was from the movie. I guess that was his little teaser being like, hey, Spider-Man's here. Turns out the real bad guy was Willem Dafoe's uh, Norman Osborn as the Green Goblin. Any Willem Dafoe fans here? Oh, you know. I am a scientist myself. Ride or die. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, he's always that actor who, like, I always just want to see him in a screaming monologue and just going crazy and unhinged. Uh, uh the last movie he was in, was he screaming in that one? I don't know which one was that. The one he was nominated for last year? Oh, was that the Florida Project? Yeah, the one that was, God, uh, 10 years ago? Damn in 2017? it. <laughs> yes. 10 years ago in 2017. Um... Yes. I have not seen the Florida Project. I think it's on Amazon Prime or something like that, but I might check that out. Okay. Because that was the only movie that I thought that I'd seen Willem yeah. Dafoe in since, since uh, Spider-Man in- 1. No, he's in he's in uh, Death Note as Ryuk, and he actually is legitimately, yeah. like, that is a, that is a, a we, int- I don't, I can't say I dislike that movie because I think it's, like, really There is, uh, as I've though. mentioned before on this podcast, I watch a lot of YouTubers. There's going to be a video at some point by a guy by the name of H Bomber Guy who will be oh, saying yeah. why Death Note, uh, the live action remake, uh, will be reviewing it. I don't, I forget if he says if it's good or not because everyone says it's bad. Hmm. But it's, it's interesting. It's, I definitely can't say that it's like good. I, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, and he's in John so. Wick. Fucking of course. Oh, and, and oh, he and is he's in, in the Fault in Our Stars. Is that as the author that they don't like? As the author, yeah. Oh, I uh, I don't see that. I didn't see that movie. I've seen both these movies, and I don't remember him in them. <laughs> you know, I didn't remember Will Defoe until you mentioned that he was the author, and I'm like, yeah, that's. I remembered right. how yeah. he was the. How he was John Wick's friend in John Wick 1. Yeah, his, like, dad figure. Oh, man. Not really his dad figure. I would say more of just a friend who's an assassin with him. I think he has the same role in Aquaman that's coming coming soon to theaters. Um, yeah. Not sponsored by DC or WB. Ah, uh, yes. A Marvel podcast being sponsored by DC. A concept. <laughs> yeah, that will be a level of irony, wouldn't it? Um, what do you remember about Willem Dafoe in Spider-Man? He was... In parentheses, 2002. Because of... <laughs> Because of that movie, I've always seen Willem Dafoe is very creepy. <laughs> but I don't know if it's because of that movie that I think he's creepy, or that society has always deemed him as creepy prior to that. I think the mirror scenes, like when he's like after like oh they were so creepy. Stuff, that I was like oh wow like that's weird, that's creepy. Maybe it's I think it, it probably started with that. Hmm. Yeah. As far as like the the tragic sympathetic villain angle, mm-hmm. I think that this is prob of all the villains in in these movies, like this is the closest one to just like outright. This guy's not like what like what happens to him like text on page like oh a guy loses his mind because he's so driven is tragic, but like what he does is is like sell weapons to the military and then yeah uh, and then right. like just i mean like he kills a bunch of people and stuff he is probably the least sympathetic of all of these these figures and like i think that's why willem dafoe's great casting because he's just <laughs> got that 
hungry smile he's got. Oh, that that way that you said hungry smile was very, very mm, <laughs> hungry <laughs> smile. Yes. Uh, oh, he was in Speed too. Yeah, <laughs> and he was in the Boondock Saints and American Psycho. Oh yes, Antichrist. Antichrist. He's yeah. prolific. Yeah. Um, well, I know he's yeah. prolific, but I just do people. I'm trying to see if people thought he was creepy before. And by the way, that he played Jesus one time, the Last Temptation. Uh, last Temptation. Of, yeah. yeah. Um, are, you, are you trying to track like chronologically, like when he was first considered? When to be was creepy, he creepy? Like, when was he considered <laughs> creepy? He was hey, in Siri. Streets of Fire. <laughs> I think maybe Streets of Fire. He was probably the bad guy in Streets of Fire. So wait, I. Actually, yeah, Thomas, you have to remind me, like, I, I forgot about that whole angle. Like, what was his, um, because I, I remember him being, like, the head of some sort of corporation. Yeah, I remember head of he Oscorp. was kind of a, yeah, of Oscorp, he was, like, kind of a father figure to Peter Parker, ironically, more than for Harry Osborn, which was kind of a Weird. point of contention. Yeah. But, um, what, 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 what was he actually developing in that movie that, like, led him to go crazy? Uh, he, oh, God, because there, there's that incredible line, like, we, we go back to formula uh, it's the, i believe it is just a straight up super soldier serum um right because they because that's their thing is they want like they don't just want weapons they want uh people who are really good at using them uh and then mm-hmm. like that's how he becomes the green goblin as he takes it because because then uh there's that the that's how he becomes like manic and evil is is that the the serum is unstable or whatever and so he's denied human testing and then uh decides to use it on himself and that's how he becomes the green goblin i remember when they redid this exact same concept in a more recent film called venom (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah. (laughs) yeah Well, um, I mean, speaking of Venom, and you know, we're going to talk about this with Doc Ock, but, like, there's the whole, you know, Izzy mentioned, like, the mirror, and mm-hmm. there's always, like, this kind of dual personality thing that they try to do with these movies. I'm yeah. wondering what you guys think about um, that depiction of, oh, maybe the villain part of them is just, like, another, like, entity that's... Separate. Tangent to them, or separate, or... However, you would interpret that. Because like, I think you always want to try to see like the good in people, and like there's like a good side to someone, like a bad side to someone. So I think that try to make like a distinction between that. Like people are layered. Like people are not black and people are not black and white. Like they're gray. So maybe that's what they were trying to do with that. If that makes sense. Because so I'm looking at like the notes that we have for um today, and one thing that I remember, like one thing that really stood out to me was that. I think it's at the end when, like, Peter defeats um, Will Defoe, and he tells Peter, like, don't tell Harry. Like, don't tell Harry that I was the Green Goblin. And so after James Franco walks in, like, to Peter, like, standing over his dead father, and he's really like, oh, you killed him. It's like a huge source of guilt for fear because it's like, well, I can't tell you that your dad was a monster. (laughs) And it's that moment when he's like, don't tell Peter that, like, almost... Makes him realize mm. I, it, he's realizing. Oh, like I fucked up. Like I was a bad person, and it's that's it's like even in like death, like they see the morality in that. Yeah. yeah. So one one of the things I was thinking of was that in the Sam Raimi movies, each of the movies has one of the villains have that mirror scene. Um, in with in Spider Man Two, you don't really have a mirror scene, but you have a scene where uh, Octavius looks at the arms and is like like doing like 
like saying one line like the bad side of him and then saying a side that's like the good side of him so it's like there's more it's it's interesting because there is gray area in it but it's not necessarily the cons the the what's being discussed is gray area does that make sense like the there's the it's like the angel and the devil on the shoulders Like to talk, like to Where, show, to show that you're gray, you show like black and white. Ah, I was thinking that. You yeah, know. you show the black and the white, and then the individual is gray because you have white, uh, you have the good and the bad sides, but that doesn't necessarily make the actions that you do gray. Whereas when we look to, um, like we'll get to it more, but like when you get to homecoming, the actions are driven for, uh, like. Like, oh, they could be good or bad purposes. Whereas when you have Green Goblin, his actions were just, ah, I'm crazy. Ah, Willem <laughs> Dafoe yelling at things. Ah, decide between the girl you love or Th- the Thomas, children. Any, Thomas, ah. any thoughts on, on the, on the, uh, on... Oh, yeah. <laughs> really? Because I was just, I... <laughs> That's a, actually an uncanny impression, but, uh, yeah. Tom, <laughs> I, Thomas, any, I any thoughts on the goleming that's that we're talking about over this here? This is such a early 2000s movie and yes yeah yes it is specifically specifically in like the fact that they are positioning willem dafoe the ceo of a a weapons manufacturer and distributor as somebody whose soul can be like fought for and won because that i mean like that is very much what Mm -hmm. the the character of spider-man is about is like he and i mean like this is like very common amongst heroes is like he is constantly in a battle with his like own soul where he you know he is like he like did the wrong thing one time and 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 things broke bad for him and so now he has to like he he tries to live in that in that gray Mm -hmm. zone of vigilantism because of his you know great power great responsibility yes um versus like I mean, like Willem. Will the the only reason that Willem Dafoe can be can be viewed in that lens at that time is because, like, like you said, this is a post nine eleven film. Everybody's kind of like, ooh rah rah, let's go to war. Um, and so, somebody who is the CEO of of a of a weapons manufacturer in that era can be viewed, and like even even persisting into the MCU, like Tony Stark uh, is still like at the end of the day he he like makes weapons he builds weapons that's what he does even if even if he kind of like gives them to the good guys after that yeah yeah but we exactly. don't know what we don't know what we're the, the good guys the, the avengers like the 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 non-shield non-superpowered avengered worker people are doing like are they mm-hmm. going to like i don't know like middle eastern countries and causing coups uh are exactly. they giving yeah, weapons yeah. to people like what like what are they doing what are what are the non superheroes doing uh at like the the people that worked there that we saw like running around at uh at the end of Age of Ultron? Like what are those yeah. people doing? And I don't think it's like just hanging out pretending to act like soldiers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um so that that I think is kind of my read on Willem Dafoe is like there there is like a battle for his soul going on but it's more about whether or not he's like a systemic institutional uh murderer or his own kind of rogue vigilante um and and I think that like that is a very interesting uh 
you know cultural product of the time where like that is what we consider to be a character who who can be viewed sympathetically despite mm. their like their their fall as it were yeah mm. and i i guess the way they try to um have that personal connection is that um you know peter parker looks up to this man you know so that's mm-hmm. yeah that like having that that sort of personal thing, you know, and they, they kind of continue that with Doc Ock in uh, Spider-Man yeah, 2. Like, way kind of more with Doc his... Ock than yeah. with... Spider-Man 3. Harry. I mean, yeah. not Harry, Norman. Norman Osborn, yeah. Norman yeah. Osborn being, like, a very, um, you know, I feel like other interpretations of him, and we, we're not going to, like, talk about the PS4 game for hours and hours I was, now. But, I was um, actually going like, to bring up the yeah, PS4 he, game. Yeah, he's, like, he's like a politician. Like, he's the father, and, well, yeah. he's the... But, like, even before all that, he was the father of... Peter's friend. Mm-hmm. So like try to think of like like if you're really like your best best friend who's like father's like super cool, if you're hanging out with the kid, you'll also be hanging out with the father, so you'll have like a semi like decent relationship with the father. Right. Yeah. So like seeing Norman Osborne at like Peter's high school was like, oh, that's cool, you know, just hanging out with all of us, you know, you're coming to <laughs> pick up Harry from school or something. Um so it just seems more like casual in that way. Where with uh, Octavius, it was like we both have the same pursuits, and it's it's way more. What happened? the The relationship in Spider Man Two is very similar to what actually happens in the PS Four game, uh, where they're mm. like they're actually friends. They they work together, and their pursuit and their strive for knowledge and science is what drives their uh, friendship. Uh, and then the accident happens, and then, yeah, um, yeah. They they added a wife for Doc Ock. Yeah, they, they added a, the wife a and Miss, Mrs. Ock. Let's call yeah. her um, <laughs> Mrs. Ock. Yeah, I, I just it's Olivia. Still, yeah. Oh, sure. Is yeah. her name Olivia? It yeah. ha- it has to be a a three syllable name that uh uh it's either a three syllable or a two syllable name that the villain or the hero can say in their direst like moment. Like this is for you, Olivia, or this is for you, Martha, or like some gen- other generic white name uh, that uh, signifies that you died now, and I am uh, sacrificing myself for you. Uh, let me correct myself. It's Rosalie, Rosalie Ros- Octavia. Same, same thing. Same, same <laughs> thing. It literally. Wait, let me do the counts. Uh, <laughs> See, it fits. It fits. <laughs> let me check your math there. Yeah. That, um, that I think they they. I think that that Spider-Man and what really like when we when we finally arrive at, at Homecoming, I think that like Spider-Man works best when he is when he is put up against a like let's call it a populist villain because Doc Ock is like you know he's a professor he doesn't have a lot of money he's you know he's working on grants he's he's trying to you know he's trying to do good in the world uh unlike you know like that's the thing that i think really separates him from norman osborne is that doc ock genuinely is trying to like be beneficial Mm -hmm. he's trying to like solve the energy crisis um and then and then like they do do the uh the thing that like lots of writers do because the only way that they know how to write human conflict is to give somebody a wife and then kill them (laughs) Um, yeah yeah, yeah. And, and that is a very yeah ex- exactly and that is like a very like that is a very uh, i think classic I fridging call it populist uh storytelling trope like not well in, like, it's a uh, positive it's, it's, way it's, of populism, it's uh but... it's putting someone in it's putting uh it's fridging someone 
yeah it's trying to it's trying to humanize them uh through through the fridging which is more which is a lot which like the 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 idea being that that is a a relatable thing the loss of a loved one Mm -hmm. more so than like i can't have my super soldier serum yeah um yeah, I'm not. I'm not necessarily praising uh, that. that oh, of decision, course. But yeah. like, that's that's what they're doing, and and I think that like that's. Part I mean, he of is why Doc Ock does totally feel a little more, um, better paired with Peter Parker. Is he's yeah. like much more human. But uh, you bring up an interesting fra- turn turn of phrase where you say like populist villains, um, mm-hmm. where it's like yeah, it makes sense that all of Spider Man's villains are populist villains because he's your friendly neighborhood Spider Man. Exactly. It's people that are going to be, he's going to be interacting and fighting against villains that, although are caricatures of, uh, and, you know, dress up in silly outfits, versions of real people uh, that you will meet in your neighborhood. Uh, people that, you know, want power, people that strive for trying to do what's good, but is it good for some people or is it good for everyone or is it it will put people in harm's way and stuff like that yeah Um, let's see what happens when i make a mini sun with my giant metal arms people that are are uh damaged by a system and that system also affects other people in reality like our real life what is that uh how does uh, a fictional superhero come to grips with not only how it affects their reality but our reality so, um, like, I mean, I'm, I'm drawing stuff from like the comics and stuff, but like, if you look at one of my favorite super, uh, super villains of Spider-Man is Mysterio because he's like, he's a shamed, uh, uh, pyrotechnics, uh, and special effects, mm. uh, artist. Um, and it's like, uh, he's just, he's just a guy. He has no, he just knows how to do shit well. <laughs> He just knows how to make like parlor tricks and uh, uses sometimes uses hallucinogenic drugs to convince Peter that he's like in like this fantasy world. And it's like, that's like, that's not crazy. I mean, it is crazy, but you know what I mean? I, I really want to see how they MCU that. Yes, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it would be cool. Um, so what you're, you're talking about, um, you know, th- these villains being like, affected by you know systemic issues and problems so yeah when you talk about the sandman in spider-man 3 um his whole spiel is that he is um he's turned to a life of crime because he's trying to provide for uh his daughter who has i don't remember what illness she has but it's 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 pretty serious and i guess it's a cover health care costs is why he's doing all that mm-hmm uh, plus, you have the personal element of like, oh, apparently, apparently, this is the real dude that killed your uncle Ben, not that other guy. So, um, kind of a. It was the government yeah. that turned him into the Sandman, so the government's bad. With the uh, particle accelerator. Oh, I, I don't know how that works. I don't know how. <laughs> I, I honestly, that Spider-Man Three was a mess. <laughs> yeah, because you you have like kind of um villains almost competing each other to have to like yeah <laughs> to like uh, i don't know take control of like whatever thematically this movie is about so by the end you're like wait what what was that movie about <laughs> yeah. um uh topher grace was venom remember that yeah i've been trying to think of a good talk about that 70s show venom spider-man give me more pictures of spider-man that was a bad <laughs> see jk simmons it wasn't um, bad yeah it was a bad JJ. Topher Grace. Someone talk about Topher Grace. So I've been. Yeah, I don't remember his role. Oh, so I. I no, it's just gonna be something stupid. I haven't watched 
Spider-Man 3, but I've been trying to think of a good Tom Holland as Rihanna as um, Tobey Maguire in Spider-Man 3 joke all day, and I can't think of Hold it. Hold on. Topher to Grace. Topher Grace. Topher Grace is a bad choice for Eddie Brock because Topher Grace is, like, small and 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 puny and not threatening or mean or any sort of anti-hero that Venom is supposed to be, and... I don't even know what the like. What was his downfall? Like, was it that he he got fired? He got, he got fired, fired, and like he, a disgraced and photographer. He apparently stole his girl. I don't know. He stole his girl. Who was his girl? Apparently, Bryce Dallas Howard's Gwen doing... Stacy. But like, they were. Wait a minute. Hold together. the hold the fucking phone. Hold yes. The phone. I thought that the Gwen Stacy character was just some random actress. Oh my god! It was Bryce Dallas Howard. <sighs> I just realized. Andy, I haven't even watched a movie way. and I know yeah, this. Yeah, but still, I like, like, I mean, the only thing that I know her from is Jurassic World. <laughs> and being Ron Howard's daughter. She was also, oh, in, yeah, that she was also in The Help. Yes. I never saw The Help. A lot of Shyamalan movies, too. She was the lady in the water. Um... Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I've seen that movie a lot because it's my mom's favorite. <laughs> That's a weird yeah. favorite movie, mom. Mom, my mom, is mom a, you gotta you gotta find other movies. There's other better individual. movies than Lady in the Water by M Night Shyamalan. Yeah, she is a, a person of very specific taste. Must be a big yeah. Paul Giamatti fan then. Anthony, you mentioned a good point about like how Topher Grace is not meant to play Eddie Brock. Because like as I mentioned, I haven't watched Spider Man three, but my first exposure. <laughs> I don't think I might, I don't think I should. Not at all. But like I, but my first exposure to Venom Don't. as a kid was that what my first exposure to Venom as a kid was that he was just like the anti Spider Man and like Venom was like built to be like it was essentially Spider Man in a black suit and that's what I seen that's what it looked like. But then you just look at Venom and like he's big and hulking and he looks so much more like the comics than Spider Man three makes Venom out to be. And I thought that was really <laughs> yeah. interesting direction that they did, I guess they decided to go with. And why he's, yeah. got, why he's got a tongue all of a sudden. Yeah, like, the vi- see, see, the thing is, is that Topher Grace dies. Oh, Eddie Brock dies at the end of... <laughs> Topher Grace is still alive. So, Topher, I, I'm going to use Topher Grace because he doesn't, like, even if I say Eddie Brock, it doesn't even feel like Eddie Brock from Spider-Man 3. Um, Topher Grace dies at the end of Spider-Man 3 because he thought that the Venom gave, like, the Venom symbiote gave him more power. But the Venom symbiote was just kind of like meh um and doesn't really show anything like there was no character of topher grace when topher grace had venom i mean i i think that like the the thing about spider-man 3 and the the reason that it's i think that it's kind of impossible to talk about in the context in which that we're like examining these these villains is because like that 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 is a movie that was so plagued by production issues and and yes. problems of like Sam Raimi did not want to make that movie. Um, that, that there are so and and even just like so like it's like fuck the production issues even like yeah. just just like raw text on page. That is a movie with it's it's supposed to have. Okay, so you've got Spider Man, Mary Jane, Gwen Stacy. Um, a, not even uh, not even Gwen Stacy. She was in the movie for like five minutes. Uh, 
then you've got Venom, uh, 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 Sandman, and also the Green Goblin. And like, and that movie is two hours and 30 minutes long, and even that is not long enough. Like, you what? just cannot. It's Wait, two and a half hours? Two hours and 30 minutes. Oh, I'm not it's watching two that. Two and a half hours, y'all. I'm not watching that movie again. I watched that movie like when I was a kid and I hated it. Then why would I watch it again? Oh god. I distinctly remember being very hyped in the trailers because the trailers were very good and I walked out the theater with a massive headache. I'm not even joking. Wow. Uh that was the, yeah. that must have been the first time that Sony actually made good trailers or the first and the last time. It looked really good <laughs> at first. Like there was like there was like this one part of the trailer where Topher Grace, he's like he's in a church and he's praying and he's like God, I want you to kill Peter Parker. And it's like, oh shit, this is gonna be a serious ass movie. But it's like, oh no. He just like cost him his fucking job. Are you nostalgic kicking okay, in? Okay, okay. Because I'm pretty he sure was, that is the that dumbest fucking thing. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. At the time. And if I saw that ago. trailer in 2018 that set that fucking line in it, I would say <laughs> this movie is going to be fucking shitty. And oh do you know what it was? It probably was. It was a shitty it was movie. Okay. All right. Spider Man 3 was a shitty movie. Well, like, you were also seven, Tris, right? And you thought that was cool? Let's do the math here. Uh, I was 11 years ago. Uh, Oh. I am turning 25 soon. (laughs) Okay, I thought you said seven. I'm sorry. 2007. Ah. That's when it came out. (laughs) Um, No. But, like, there's just not enough room in that yeah. movie and in that yeah. script because like those that's the thing is like yeah you can have a movie with like a lot of characters like w- movies are getting much much better at at writing ensemble casts like like uh i i don't like them as much as other people but like the guardians movies are a good example those are like movies with a lot of characters that does actually have like arcs in it hey um, infinity but, like, war this is Oh yeah, exactly. Like these it, are like Infinity War is a long movie. Never heard of it. Whether whether or not you you agree on like characters having arcs, the movie was able to manage a lot of it. Yeah. Exactly, and like at this time, like I just and especially uh, just get rid uh, of the snapping scene. Just get rid of that dumb fucking snapping scene. You know, it. it 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 just didn't. It could never do anything like really meaningful from a storytelling standpoint. Like mm-hmm. I think the closest they get is like Harry, and frankly, like that's who the movie should be about. But they just didn't want to do like Green Goblin. But again, um, but like Harry's the only interesting one in that, and like, and they don't do a lot with him. They give him amnesia, which which sucks because like that is that like that is the emotional arc of that entire series that entire trilogy is is harry's relationship with how does he get amnesia he 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 He, was chasing down peter in his new goblin gear and he hits his head on a metal pipe so they basically yeah they sidelined him for the entire like middle of the movie so they can do their venom stuff i guess and so they can have uh peter parker uh pointing at ladies in the street um yeah that movie uh because it, 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 it's trying to do like different comic book. It's trying to do three different comic book arcs in one yeah. movie. Like, do you know what they could what? have done? They could have. They should have started the movie with like another villain, like a quick, a quick villain, and he ends it like, like he starts the movie like fighting a bad person, and it, the person goes away. You don't see them again, but like something happens in that fight that affects Peter, and then that happens to the main villain of the movie. That's 
that's how you do a good third or second movie. Congratulations, Anthony Payone. Amy Pascal has chosen you to be the next screenwriter for Spider-Man. Holy fuck. Are uh, you serious? Oh my god. Yeah, it's that easy. Uh, I have these leaked emails from Amy Pascal right here in front of me. And, uh, wow, thank you so much. They have, uh, anyway, um... Yeah, I I want to. I think Venom was the studio note. Like, I you know we talked about Avi Arad in the Venom episode, but like he said, the kids love Venom, and he only has a very basic <laughs> understanding of like why the kids love Venom. So he's just like Sam Raimi, put Venom in this movie, and I the kids love. I Venom. feel like Sam Raimi was going more for Sandman, but you know what happens after that. Yeah, um, yeah, that's just a movie that that was just being torn from too many sides to like really actually like. I want Kang the Conqueror. I want Kang the time-traveling conqueror. (laughs) With his lizard pelt, I want it. Isn't that, uh, wait, uh, there's Kraven the Hunter also. Sorry, Kraven the Hunter is the lizard pelt, but Kang the Conqueror is someone. Same diff. My brain is... I've been playing video games all day. I've been playing video games all day. So, uh, moving forward with the timeline. uh, Kraven the Hunter. Um, Yeah, uh, Sam Raimi... Kang the Conqueror is an alien. I'm a fucking idiot. (laughs) Yeah, I'm gonna say. Sam I'm, I'm so bad at this. Ugh, ugh. Yes, <laughs> I hate everything. Oh God. Craven the Hunter. That's what I want. Yes, Craven the Hunter. Amazing, um, so amazing. They. Chris? What's that? Yeah. So they were. Um. They gave Sam Raimi a bunch of scripts for Spider-Man Four. He did not like any of them, so he just pieced out. Um. Naturally, the solution was to reboot Spider-Man. <laughs> Five years later. And show, yeah, show show Uncle Ben getting shot again, except in a more contrived fashion than in the original movie because they wanted to do something different. So what they had was uh, uh, Martin Sheen try to, like, wrestle the gun out of the guy's hand, which ended up getting him shot, which was, I thought, a bad scene. Um, but yeah, Andrew Garfield was uh, Spider-Man. The director was Mark Webb, who I guess was hired, one, because he did 500 Days of Summer, and they're like, oh, Peter Parker, Gwen Stacy, romance. Uh, number two, his last name is Webb. Um, that's my theory, at least. Um, so, <laughs> the lizard, uh, Kirk Connors, is the villain of The Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, I don't even remember how to pronounce the actor's name. It's like, Re-sifies. I remember he was... Yeah, he was uh, Luna Lovegood's dad. That's all I remember him He doing. played Shakespeare, I think, um, in um, a really bad uh, Shakespeare movie. I know what you're talking about. Was it Anonymous, yes. I think? <laughs> Is that what it was called? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So they tried to do this whole, this whole um, plot line of what happened to my parents? And it's like Andrew Garfield looking all brooding and stuff <laughs> and whatever. Um, and so they tried to play that up more. They tried to make Oscorp a bigger player. Um, like I, I, I think that's how he got bit by the spider um, in the Oscorp building. Um, so when you get to Kurt Connors, um, he, he also has a personal connection with Peter Parker. And... You know, he 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 came across as like this very soft-spoken guy, um, and you know there there was like a sappy scene of like him looking in the mirror because he doesn't have an arm, so he's like, "I'm gonna inject myself with this thing. It's gonna turn. It turned me into a lizard by accident, and now I want to turn everyone into a lizard." So, <laughs> as I've mentioned, I believe on another 
podcast episode, yes. that is the exact same uh, character uh, story of uh, uh, Sauron, which is a giant pterodactyl uh, villain uh, who lives in the Savage Lands, who... Oh yeah, uh, spy- it's that. it's a famous. It, it, people see it all the time on the internet. It's, it's a famous panel. panel where um, where Spider Man's like with your with your intelligence and your and with this type of technology you could cure cancer. And then Sauron says, "I don't want to cure cancer. I want to turn people into dinosaurs." And it's a good it's, impression. It's very funny. Yeah, hey, so many impressions today. <laughs> You're on fire. Yeah, I have it up. Uh, no, I'm not. I made that mistake with Craven and Kang. Ugh. Oh, whatever. Don't beat yourself up over it. I always uh, it. Who I remembers the Amazing Spider-Man? Uh, I when I when it first came out, I actually was interested in seeing it because I heard from like a lot of my friends at the time that like, oh, this is good. You should check it out. And then I just never got around to it. And then um, the second one came out, and I heard that was bad. I was just like, now I don't even care to see. Wow. <laughs> Rousing story. Rousing um, story indeed. Yeah. Boobing. It's always the word of mouth that'll get you. Yes. I wa- I remember watching. Yeah, I watched it. Like I watched it in theaters, but like, it was only that one time. But I remember, like honestly, when you recap the entire plot, I was like, I don't remember any of that. I just remember like Blizzard, like very a very naked lizard. I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he was like, I remember him like being like that sort of like tragic figure. But I also think they focus a lot more on like the love stories, like the villain didn't get that much attention sure, yeah. at all but like the fact that he is like a professor right he's a professor i think that's what you mentioned like goes back to like professor like yeah. scientist like working man like still goes back to like you know like what, we, what we've been talking about like that like relatable characters but he wasn't i think he just yeah. got sidelined for like yeah he just got really sidelined for like the love story that they wanted to emphasize on he he seems closer to um i i this is the one of the single one of these movies that i have not seen um but i i am fairly familiar with like spider-man canon because i really liked uh him as a superhero when i was a kid and -hmm. the lizard kind of strikes me as like closer to the platonic ideal of what norman osborn is supposed to be like oh he's a man of science and he he wants to get his hands dirty and so he you know he tests his serum out on himself but like the it, the the difference is in their aspirations like norman wants the super soldiers like that's he mm. wants the money that'll get for making super soldiers that's his end goal whereas like connor's genuinely is like i have this i have this physical disability and I would like I would like to to not have that anymore. Um, and that and that it's a much more uh, like empathetic goal. And it and that is why it is tragic because like you know it's not like a Norman Osborn's more of a violent delights have violent ends kind of guy where it's like he sucks <laughs> and like no matter no matter like what he does people will die. Um, but like. Connors did something that he genuinely believed would like help the world and it broke him and now he is like an active participant into trying to like gas the city effectively. Right. It it, it went back to that whole trope of like because you know he turned into a lizard man and for some reason he had the idea that like that is the peak form of life humanity. form, quote unquote. So if if you if you've somehow sat through those new Ridley Scott alien movies, 
and that is literally Michael Fassbender's ambition to create the perfect life form, which for some reason is this giant murderous alien with acid blood. Um, makes very little sense to me. Um, and when you put it on paper, the third act of The Amazing Spider-Man is copy-paste from Batman Begins because it involves a villain trying to gas the entire city. I have, like, a mini-theory of, like, what Sony was trying to do, because when they first announced Andrew Garfield's reboot, they were, they, they they used the overused terms, uh, dark, gritty, and the fact that literally all of the action scenes took place at night was like, okay, alright, someone saw Batman Begins before this. Um, likewise... You know, we'll talk about Amazing Spider-Man 2 in a bit. Everything took place during the day, and everything was bright and world-building, and I was like, okay, someone saw The Avengers before this. Um, yeah. These are not original I mean, movies, those movies are... Those are so designed by committee, you know? Like, yeah. Because we now... Cause, because Sony got... Sony got... Oh, God, that leak was so good. I, <laughs> we, we saw all their emails. Like, we know that... And, and also, it's just, like, pretty obvious just that they did not want to give up the rights, so they... They like a Fantastic Four like, situation. Those are so. Yeah, it's such a. I mean, like we know that there, there's that like infamous one where it's like I think the kids really seem to like DJs and electronic electronic music. dance have... music in parentheses EDM. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and and like I think it, it seems like Spider Man, uh, the Amazing Spider Man one is like a movie that kind of like stumbled into uh, blandness. It seems I just. Mm-hmm purely going off of critical reception and the way that you guys are talking about it just it is it, it was a movie that lucked out because like clearly that that happy accident could not be repeated and also like genuinely there are a lot of very talented people working on that movie like i think mark webb is a is a really competent director like crazy ex-girlfriend is a pretty good show oh he did that i didn't know that of... yeah. yeah i'm sure he's directed some um, episodes for that right yeah yeah, and like Five Hundred Days of Summer is like that. That's sort of like the Fight Club of manic picture <laughs> movies, where it's like critiquing the thing but just doing it too. And so like the the way that people interpret that movie is kind of like counter to what it's doing. But like right. he's a good director who knows what he's doing. Andrew Garfield's a fucking great actor. Emma Stone kicks ass as Gwen Stacy. Um, like, but it's such a it's such a thing of like old old people trying to figure out like oh what are the kids like now like what are the kids like about spider-man that we put in there and so like i I, there seems very little to the lizard beyond like who his canon like demands him to be yeah Mm because like i feel like i was like when this movie came out i was like what 14 so i was somewhat of the market and that's, I mean, that's how I felt like Andrew Garfield was like, he was not only like attractive, but like, oh, he's like someone who like, is like, like, if he was real, like, I date him, essentially. Like, he was, <laughs> I'm sorry, this did not come out the way I wanted to. But Andrew. like, Andrew, get on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that did not, but like, essentially, but like, essentially shaping it to what the kids want these days. Like, I feel like, it was very. It did feel like very tailored to like what my market like wanted. Like it was like the like yeah, focusing more on like the human aspect and like pushing like 
the villains off to the side and just really, yeah, just trying to get out into like what the kids want. And I think, because like this movie critically was like okay, but I think it was the fact that it was like yeah. another Spider Man and it's new and it's not Spider Man 3. Um, but like I think it would, it really did like barely <laughs> scrape by because of just pure luck and like, yeah, we think we understand them and schmucks like me when they were 14 caught it. So. I, I ha- my sister has some friends who love that uh, dynamic between uh, Peter and Gwen. Gwen, and those two yeah. Movies. Especially because Andrew um, and Emma dated. That was a big thing. Like, yeah, and then so, like, I, I my sister, I was not, obviously not here, but, like, my sister watched The Amazing Spider-Man 2 with her friends. And when Gwen says he died, all, like, all of them started crying, and my sister like, just kind of turned to them, and she's like, you weaklings. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> yeah, like... I mean, I think I remember feeling like, I remember like when they dressed up, like when, like she was wearing like the outfit she wore when she died and like, oh, she's going to die, isn't she? Right. Oh man, I'm, I'm really impressed that they managed to make it to the end of that movie and remaining emotionally invested. (laughs) Yeah. Like I I wasn't invested. I, I don't know how. Yo, Spider-Man, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 fucking whips ass. I fucking love that movie. I've only seen that on a, uh, like, a shitty cam version on a shady website. I have not actually seen it in full HD. Illegally, Chris Compendio, watcher of illegal 2014 movies. Arrest me, FBI. You have the evidence right here on audio. Did you know that you can just, like, admit to crimes on a podcast and no one will do anything about it? I listen to there's – a, there's a podcast um, that uh, is helmed by uh, Twitter user uh, Stefan Heck, and on that podcast, he admits to stabbing a fellow student when he was in school. And what it was the like, fuck? I was like, what is happening right now? This is a comedy podcast. Oh, my lord. Yeah, you can just say whatever the fuck you want to. Oh man, damn. Joey Diaz on on I, like this is kind of like tattling on myself. I clearly, <laughs> I obviously do not listen to it anymore because sure. Joe Rogan is a fucking scumbag. But like, yep. I listened to his podcast when I was like very young, and Joey Diaz on that show admits to selling cocaine to Whitney and Bobby Houston. Man, those guys are bad news. Yikes. Sorry to, sorry to go on a tangent like that. Yikes. Yeah, that tangent well, Like Elon Musk, somewhere. I'm smoking a blunt on this uh, show. No. I yeah. Um, yeah, you can just do crimes on podcasts and, and nobody cares for yeah. some reason. Yeah, the, the, that's the next step of the true crime genre of podcasts where you actually do podcasts where you commit you crimes. Crime. You commit. Oh, the podcast tells you what crime to commit. Yeah. Uh, what were you reading, Anthony? I'm reading just a bunch of Old Man Logan stuff because I got sucked into a trap hole of, like, Peter... Uh, I looked up Craven the Hunter, then there was Raven the Hunter, and then it <laughs> turns out Raven the Hunter is from the same universe as uh, Spider-Ham, and then from Spider-Ham, I went into... Wait, 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 is Raven uh, the Hunter just a raven? Yes. That's amazing. Uh, it, there, That's great. It, uh, Peter, in, uh, in Peter Porker's universe, uh, <laughs> it is an entire universe where all the superheroes and supervillains are all animals. So you have Goose Rider, uh, Steven Mauser, a.k.a. Captain Americat. Uh, then you have Bat, uh, Bat Burdock, or as they know him, Deer Devil. Um, God damn it. 
So, yeah, it's called the Larval Universe. Uh, is this some sort of Aurelian, like, communism uh, uh, came out in like, Animal Farm? This has been around <laughs> long before we were born. Yeah, I remember okay. playing, like, some, like, Spider-Man app game, and Spider-Ham is a character, like, you can unlock, and you have to, like, you can, like, win. John Mulaney so was... is voicing him, I believe. In yes. John Mulaney is voicing him in the yeah. new movie. I am very excited. Uh, not in Spider-Verse. It's Jamie Foxx who played Electro in Amazing Spider-Man 2. What a great oh, segue. That yeah. movie? What a great segue. <laughs> right. What, a, what yeah. a bad movie that what was. What a movie. Um, I, Jamie, Jamie Foxx was a very sad dude in this movie. Uh, I wrote here, he was a nobody, a schmuck employee in a giant corporation who was kind of verbally harassed by Ryan from The Office. Yes, um, that is that is correct. And also, <laughs> uh, that is the, the the kind of the origins of Electro, kind of like just some guy, some electrician who, get, electrician who gets struck by lightning. In uh, here, it was Electric Eels. In, yes. Electric uh, Eels. Uh, get to dro- it in Amazing Spider-Man 2, it's a... He falls in the tank, and the eels eels surround him, and one of them looks at him in the eyes before attacking him. And it's like, this is this is a stupid movie. Yeah. (laughs) And what? And I don't get what do they have like venom that changes his DNA? He he like revives like Frankenstein's monster style in like that weird asylum. What were you about to say, Thomas? Uh, And then and then when he uh, is turned, it. Closes the gap in Jamie Foxx's teeth, which seems kind of unnecessarily cruel to Jamie Foxx, you know? Yeah. Let wait, him live his life. Wait, whoa, 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 Wait a <laughs> fucking minute. What? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you heard, you, that, you heard that I, I can I can rattle off my favorite uh, beats from that movie, like, by heart. <laughs> I, fucking, I fucking love The Amazing Spider-Man 2. That movie is, like, a truly, truly bad Ooh. movie. Um, and it's, it's incredibly funny for it. Uh, the that's, fact that man. the end scene is Rhino, and it's like, oh, that's it. That's the, the movie. There's a, there's the there's a sequence when Jamie Fox, the gears are turning in his head, and he's he's turning on Spider Man for like literally no reason. Like th- this this movie is like devoid of character motivation, <laughs> and in his head. The, the the score that's been joint composed by legends of music, Hans Zimmer and Pharrell Williams, is playing, and it's this like spoken word dubstep, and it's whispered, it's like rhythmic whispering, and there's a line that's like he lied to me, he hates on me, like his internal <laughs> monologue is fucking Mario. Well, if you've so, got a rapper, so you gotta play it's some so rap good. in the movie. Yeah. It's fucking amazing. Oh, God listen, damn it, I love that listen movie. to um, it's it'll be under um the Amazing Spider-Man Two Deluxe Edition soundtrack on Spotify, composed by Hans Zimmer and the Magnificent Six because it has like Pharrell Williams, Johnny Marr from like all of his collaborations and like Inception and like Despicable Wait, Me real? with Pharrell and like there is a track just that's just called the Electro Suite and it's just like an extended version of that and then at the Wait, end you, you can serious? kind of hear them you hear them kind of jamming at the end like in like kind of a post credits vibe where they're kind of like yeah yeah try that again and it sounds really good it's like, oh hell yeah it's inject great. that shit directly into my veins yeah i kind of like oh that electro god. Theme. <laughs> um this movie is awful he, also he, quick yeah. quick uh, quick aside um <laughs> great. uh yes. did Jamie Foxx rap in baby driver no. 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 Good. Just making sure I forget. I'm, okay. See, the good movies are where he don't <laughs> abuse his ability to rap. 
if you have Jamie Foxx in your movie, it seems. Yeah, no, that's what I was... Wait, there. I think there was a rap in Robin Hood. I didn't watch it. Uh, yeah, that the yet. movie that we all saw. Um, I yeah. watched a um, I watched a vlog video about it. It was okay. really bad. Oh, well, that's good to know. They're um, setting up a cinematic universe with that one. Uh, anywho, um, was Jamie Fox sympathetic? Because he just seemed very he he like idolized Spider Man after like one encounter, and then immediately just like hated him. Like Thomas said, like it's. It just seemed pathetic to me, honestly. That, I think I, it was the villains are teaming up type of thing. Well, like, he was... Did he die? Yeah, no, he I'm sorry. Yeah, he just he died. Die. He wasn't even supposed there to be There was no resolution fit. to his character. Like, because he was just, like, not a great like, constructed character. Like, I remember him... I remember seeing him, like, in the movie. I was like, this villain's kind of depressing. Like, for a Spider-Man movie. I'm like, He's, like, talking to himself in his apartment and, like... Also, like, visuals... The visual effects team didn't do great with Electro. I'm sorry. That's my opinion. Um, I mean, that might be unanimous. But I, he wasn't really, he just, yeah, he just wasn't great. And he kind of like, I think they <laughs> tried to make him relatable, right? He's like a nobody snuck a ploy who got like bullied and like abused by like his superiors. Like I'm literally reading Chris's notes again, I, I think. But like, it just didn't come across it just didn't come across. Maybe it was maybe it was Jamie Foxx. Now that I'm thinking about it, but like it just didn't come across. Look, look if you're going to if you're going to let BJ Novak steamroll you, I don't think you deserve my sympathy. <laughs> yeah, like he was just a depressing villain, like for a Spider-Man standpoint. Yeah, he his character kind of reminds me of um I want to say his name's Hector Hammond from the the Green Lantern movie where yeah. he is like miserable and pathetic and by an accident that really isn't his fault like he he's just like trying to plug some stuff in and then he falls in the tank um and like hector hammond accidentally gets the yellow uh the the fear goo on him and then they both get used by other people like electro is is captured and tortured and then uh harry osborne decides to free him or whatever because why who can, who can uh, and then and then he dies and like and the same thing happens to hector hammond where hector hammond is used by uh parallax to like to do do whatever parallax needs and then he's killed and like it's just it's 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 like simpering it's so it's you're right it is it's it's like more than pathetic it's like truly tragic where it's not even like there was a possibility for redemption just something happened that was random and then he died it's nihilistic it's like it's it's sadistic in a way of like the the story is just torturing this dude for our own enjoyment like it's yeah. it's bizarre and it's not even good yeah Ugh. uh his hair also pre-transformation was just like his look his whole nerve tragic look, like trying Making Jamie Foxx look not cool is an int- was a an crime. Um, yeah. Um, Dane DeHaan was also in this movie. That was such a disappointment. Like, I well, thought... <laughs> okay. I, I just jumped straight into that. But I just have thoughts. I remember thinking, because like, I was... I, that's when I was starting getting into movies. I was like, oh, Dane DeHaan. Like, I didn't... I personally didn't like Chronicle that much. But I was like, oh, Dane DeHaan's, like, a good actor. So he must be, like... He's, he's probably going to be great in this movie, right? He wasn't. Um, 
I thought it was I it was interesting that they included him, but like that's when you start to realize like, oh, there's gonna be like too much. Like we haven't even gone to Rhino yet, and like just putting Green Goblin in your movie like off the gate, like that's very like that's very loaded. And so, so I, here here is yeah. my entire interpretation of how they handled his character. So. You know, I, I really like Dane DeHaan. I can name multiple movies that he was in that I liked him in. Um, Valerian's not one of them, by the way. But um, he, he... They had to play catch-up, because he was not in the first movie. So their first scene had to be them, like, going back and forth, like, really easygoing, like, they oh, they've been friends the whole time, and it just didn't really work for me. And his whole uh, motivation was that, hey... Um, my my dad, Chris Cooper, died from this horrible disease, and I have it too. Um, I might or might not need your spider blood, DNA, whatever, to for the cure. And Spider-Man's like, no, that's a stupid idea. I'm not going to give it to you. And so Dane DeHaan's like, I hate you, Spider-Man. Um, so when he finally does inject it into himself, he goes nuts and he turns all green and monsterish. And... I guess this was a deleted scene that they where they explains where the glider came from, but in the final movie, as far as I remember, he just steps onto the glider, which the audience doesn't know what that is, and he just becomes the Green Goblin. And the next scene you see him in, he just flies in, and he's just the Green Goblin. And I'm like, wait, what? What is happening in this movie? And then he takes yeah. a good, he takes a, he takes a look at Gwen Stacy and Spider-Man for like five seconds, and he's like. You're Peter Parker, and then the whole thing, it's... Oh Someone else talk, please. I imagine. Yeah, because, like, I think they didn't want... They didn't want to have, like, Harry in the first one, because that's, like, exactly what they're doing with... That's, like, exactly what the last Spider-Man, like... The Sam Raimi's movie did, yeah. Exactly, so they didn't want to do that. And, like, there are... There are ways in movies where, like, you don't need to have, like, his childhood friend in the first movie to understand that they're childhood friends, but this movie just did it really badly they skip rocks together exactly (laughs) it's such a waste to it's it's another it's another issue of like a movie with with too many threads and also production issues like again like like the sony leaks it's clear that they had no fucking and they and they want to have the super spy angle as well like they they are so scattershot about every element of that movie that none of it can be like developed in any like real meaningful way for like criticism at all because like i i genuinely do think that like oh cool like my dad has a weird incurable disease and i need spider-man's blood but spider-man is afraid of what will happen if he he gives it away like that is that in and of itself actually like is an interesting nougat that creates real tension that it's not just like spider-man has to hit this guy a bunch um they have to like they have to have a talk about like the ramifications and like blah 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 but like that is obviously not what happens because it's it's too interested in in being like cool whatever that means and having like all these things that are meant to appeal to everyone and then so it ultimately like is for nobody and oh man just I'm glad that Marvel has the rights to Spider-Man now. Yeah, and like they were trying to still shove know, in man. Sinister Home, Six. Did Homecoming have EDM? Um, sort shit. of. I think there, there was the there was the moment. Uh, was the house party. Homecoming at the party. There was the house yeah. party. Oh, um, I mean the kids do love run EDM. Run by Flash. So, um, you, know. you can argue whether or not that is uh, EDM. 
Yeah. Uh, the only thing I will say about Rhino is that um, uh, Spider-Man put his pants down and he had boxer swords with rhinos on them. And the very last scene of the movie is him getting shot up by cops <laughs> when they stop. Sh- and then he takes off like the top of his suit, leaving him exposed. And then he yells, I am the rhino. That is all I will say I about know. the rhino in this movie. I think that's all we need to say. <laughs> Paul Giamatti is very fun to watch. Lady in the Water, great movie. Um, this is the mom. second time. <laughs> second time Lady in the Water has been referenced. Yes. That's good. Um, good continuity. That's what's called um, callback. Comedy. Yeah. Um, talk about Vulture now? Yeah, Thomas, did you want to start off since this, like this whole idea oh, was kind of fuck, based on your yes. thoughts about the Vulture? Like we we've talked about him, we've talked about the Vulture before in a different episode, so I wanted you to start off and kind of guide us through your thought Absolutely. process. Absolutely. <laughs> like, okay. Mm, oh baby. Oh yeah. Fucking <laughs> yo. New the the most recent phase of the MCU is like extremely my shit because it feels like they're I know I'm kind of like sipping sipping from a poison well because like oh oh boy like disney hyper like hyper capitalist disney and marvel who like literally wasn't it wasn't it last year or two years ago that marvel had that big announcement there where they were literally like hey we're partnering with a weapons firm um and then they canceled it because everybody was like what are you talking about what wait what yeah, hold up, hold up. Marvel what? partners <laughs> with with weapons. Oh yeah, I remember this. I know there. I know there was those, they those tweets by the CIA. It's just like, hey, you remember those uh, cool yes. Marvel movies? It was a it was a Comic Con event that was uh, that was going to be spart- sponsored by an arms manufacturer, which is the most Marvel thing that's happened of all time. Yeah, I remember that. Um, wow. That was a lot. Of but the the more recent Yikes. movies have been making the uh making more like kind of pointed uh commentaries on like you know social issues like even more overtly than like the older ones which are kind of just like stand up for the little guy which like what does that mean really um where like there's that that line in Thor Ragnarok where they they literally just call prison labor labor slavery because it is um and the there's like a lot more undercurrents of like actual real things that people say and have points to make about and like this movie is really interested in like class in a way like something i i i definitely noticed was that like the locations the the locations in in the movie are like very intentional like i think it is not an accident that when we finally uh, get to the vulture's house, it's really nice. He lives in a really nice house. Um, And, and I don't think that it quite goes all the way that it could. Yeah. Um, But it is, it is interesting that the vulture is a villain who is just a dude. He's just a person. He's a worker who is, who's, Villainy is directly a response to not like not even the government, but like the actual Avengers when they come to take his gig away at the beginning of the movie and put him and everybody else out of a job. The face that he is shown uh, of authority is Tony Stark's face. And I think it's interesting that this is a movie that is like 
trying to grapple with like not just how uh like the avengers have had this kind of negative impact in in certain ways in the world but also like the way that it is kind of depicting interclass struggle like peter parker is once again like a poor class conflict uh, manhattan student who lives with his single aunt and everything it is very much like this like i said populist earlier this is the most populous spider-man yep. movie mm. that has been made this is the most this is the most clash conscious spider-man movie ever made yeah like you i definitely i agree with pretty much everything you said like i remember because like i remember like it took me the second time watching Spider-Man 2, like Spider-Man Homecoming, sorry, to really enjoy it. And you're right, like, he is, like, Michael Keane. I think Michael Keane is the most, like, real, like tragic, terrible villain we had. Like, because of everything you said, like, that's what this whole episode's about. And, like, the fact that, yes, I don't think that Spider-Man Homecoming goes all the way in dealing, and, like, talking about, like, these, like, socioeconomic class issues and you know these larger infrastructure government infrastructures but it at least lays the groundwork for what marvel can do and that's almost as important i don't think any of the movies we've seen since then have really tackled that maybe black panther but in a different way and in a different context but at least with this movie like we really start talking about it and i don't think any superhero movie a big superhero movie has like really addressed it to that level um, which isn't substantial, and that's saying a lot. I think yeah. it's, well, well, I think that just that lets uh, uh, credence to what the MCU kind of is. Other superhero movies, you really can't. I mean, you could, like Watchmen, could have maybe in a way, but um, there's really no discussion in any other superhero movie because you can't really discuss about class without dissecting how class structure works using other movies. And I think that what's that's what makes Homecoming work is that there's other movies that make it make sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I was also gonna you, say you, you understand how the universe is set up. You understand that it's basically just like ours. You understand that the Avengers work with uh, are an authority figure of some kind, and their influence affects how other government systems affect other people. Homecoming cannot exist without the Chita- uh, the is it the Chitari? Yes. I can't yes. remember uh, the, yeah. the invasion yeah, of New York in the first Avengers movie. Can't exist yeah. without yes. that. Yeah, it's interesting. Compare. I'm trying to compare this to both um, Sandman and Electro in that they are like with Sandman. It's like oh, he's a he's a down on his luck family man. But I think having by they also try to have like the retroactive like instead of the Chitari, it's the uh, shooting of Ben Parker. But that there was something about that that felt very artificial, contrived. And then obviously with Electro, that just did not like none of the you know little guy stuff that they were trying like resonated. Um, so it's I don't I'm, I doubt it was like a conscious effort to correct that, but like the Vulture felt like a more refined, relatable, interesting relevant way to do all of that stuff i almost want to say that at, in some aspects spider-man homecoming almost tackles like the impact of like the avengers and sort of like the negative sides to this team more than like well, it, civil it, war did with the, Sokovia Accords. the universe like hmm? well it expands it expands more of like 
the universe in the sense of like what are what is an average person doing what is like the, what are the people doing what are what are workers in in the marvel universe doing what are uh what is the the structure of a, a kid living in uh in a world filled with superheroes like and i think that's that's amazing yeah and the only other movie that that comes close to tackling like i mean this movie doesn't go deep into it the only other movie that goes way deeper than this is black panther and that covers years hundreds of years of racial issues uh across the planet um in that one film and that's something that made it far more extraordinary than any other uh superhero movie out there um yeah i'm saying like that and that's what made it that unique whereas this was more of like it was building upon other elements of the universe so that you understand that that this universe has structures just like ours and you are seeing how those structures influence the day-to-day life of the people in uh in this in that reality just like how are the structures in our reality affect the day-to-day people yeah i'm saying yeah i'm saying like the nuances of like the avengers like that's what Mm -hmm. Homecoming does almost at times better than civil war like understanding like that though their faults from the aspect of the people because get to have that lens and all that i think the um the 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 marvel netflix shows which i guess are a dying breed at this point (laughs) but um like they're dead also they're pretty much dead yeah they sure they they examine different aspects of that too like we mentioned this in the in our tv movie episode but you know the fact that like daredevil kind of talks about the uh the gentrification and the rising prices of rent like as a result of the new york attack and jessica jones kind of goes into the um the psychological effects and the paranoia uh, around enhanced superpowered people, you know, like Luke Cage had like a little bit of um, of like this guy trying to sell like like DVD like illegal DVD copies of footage from the New York attack, and uh, you know even Iron Fist in that awful mental asylum episode, uh, but like there is a one bit where like the the doctor is like, oh yeah, after the incident, like a lot of people were. Um, like they they believed that they had some kind of superpower the same way the Avengers do. So it's like, um, I guess to sum up what we're all saying it's it's about the um the people at the ground level, like what is happening to them as a result of all of the fantastical nonsense that you see up. Like so, Civil War is about hey, there's this change coming. How do the actual big hero titans figure that out? And Homecoming is more like. Okay, but we gotta pick up your scraps. Uh, rewatching it, it was because I've because I when I first saw it, I I was not really like paying super close uh, attention, um, and I, I had just moved, so I was not like very present when I saw it. But then afterwards, everybody started talking about, oh, Michael Keaton's Vulture is like very, uh, like he's just kind of a guy. It's very populist and like blah blah blah. Um, and and now rewatching it, I think. I like I agree that that's what the movie is about but I don't even necessarily know if I agree that that's totally the point that they're making with with Keaton's character cuz there are like there are a couple of of wrinkles with him that I think are like very significant is like one when he steals the technology it's for him and his it's it's he's not really like he's not distributing it he's not redistributing the tech or the the means to do this he's just running a crew um and and so that there is something about that that is like the way that 
the way that the 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 institutional uh, economic oppression of of sort of the 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 ruling class sort of the way that this is it's sort of like if a cab a couple cab drivers were like trying to kill elon musk um <laughs> yeah like that's that's really the dynamic that's going on in that movie um yeah but, but like but, what if the cab drivers all had uh uh what kind of tech um but the 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 big shift is that keaton is like willing to kill and he's willing to kill a kid like he knows that spider-man is a kid and i think that 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 is like an interesting i think that the movie wants to present that as like this is why he's a villain and you shouldn't sympathize with him at all but like that's that's what that that's what that's what our, our our society does. That's what that's what capitalism does. Is it is it economically oppresses certain people, and in this case, it's just kind of like generally workers. But there is like a, a more specific uh, point to be to be made about who gets uh, uh, economically oppressed. Um, but then there's but then there's yeah, who, there's who that gets m- oppressed? Who wants the oppressed thing? <laughs> Do you want to exactly. be oppressed today? Hey, it's hey, you get to be oppressed. Congrats. It's interesting to me that, like, by the end of the movie, when we see him in his house, it is a really nice house. And I don't necessarily know if this is, like, supposed to be overt in the text, but I definitely think the read is there, that Keaton has sort of benefited from wealth to a level that it has begun to to like rot his brain like you know how rich people like kind of don't feel empathy or like don't really seem to understand people even if they once did like uh, like yes uh, there's there's a there's a there's a good video actually by peter coffin on wealth hoarders but that that mm. goes that goes deep into how uh, bad capitalism is. But that's a story for another time. But yes, uh, basically him, uh, Michael Keaton having carry, uh, you know, um, Adrian Toomes having money, uh, basically made his character worse. Like not not yeah, his like, character, but like made him as like more morally worse. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Compromised. Okay. Yeah. Cause like yeah. He... gold pilled that's the word that's the actual we, cause... term that people use because the whole time like we're kind of, we kind of assume that he's downtrodden and he is any he, and he starts that way and and the fact that he has to do this to like provide for his people and his family is like the the true injustice but like at a certain point it's clear that he has that he has uh kind of decided to reap the benefits and and to i've been thinking okay this is this is related (laughs) i promise sure i've been playing gravity rush 2 it's six dollars on playstation network right now please Mm. pick it up and i was i was shocked by how directly that game portrayed inter like intra-class conflict so like you start off with this this group of people who like mine or whatever to scrape by for a living and then you get that stolen by a trader who is like works in an echelon between the wealth and the poor he 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 even though he interacts with with the wealthy they do not see him as one of them because he's not and then you all and you also get your stuff stolen by 
um there's like literally a gang and they live in like the poor the poor district in this flying city um and that is that is kind of i think what is happening in uh spider-man homecoming is michael keaton's vulture is is one of these people who who has no choice but to like you know rob to 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 make a living um and so it just kind of it's it's that that class of people is just turned against each other and they are hurting each other like spider-man is a is a poor kid from queens even though like yeah he has tony stark's million dollar suit and and like some backing from him he's still like living in a in a small apartment like i said like location's really important in this movie like there's there's a level of uh of like violence interclass violence in this movie that i don't think is like presented as finely as it could or should be but like it's it's there it's there and yeah yeah it's 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 there which is really which is really interesting when you're like diving into this movie because like on this like if you're looking at bare surface nah none of this this stuff doesn't talk about it but that's because you're looking at it without with any without any sort of like you're looking at you're watching this movie in a vacuum if you're not thinking about any of that yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that opening scene was like, hey, the government is uh, taking your job away and we're just leaving you to the dogs. Not even um, not not even a government. It's a private company. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Not, well, I, I, yeah, I, I forgot if damage control was government or private. Given money by the federal government. Right, okay. Which is yeah. also bad. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about, yeah. like, those that new story about, like, Kanye and Kim having private firefighters in California or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, like, um, it's... Like, what happens when we private? <laughs> if all of this is privatized and only the rich people have these services, um, yeah, it's, it's fucked. And, and man. that's that's the are thing. Superheroes like, workers? To... Are superheroes workers? Mm, I I don't think so. Well, I think it depends. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I, think it probably I, I, depends. I think it probably depends too. But it's PMCs. very interesting to think about. <laughs> like, hmm. I know Iron Batman. Man is definitely not a worker, but is 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 like. Black Panther's not a worker. He's Black a king. Panther's, think... Black Panther's a monarchist. Uh, well, I think is, I think a, a, is a... is Hawkeye a worker? But like, he also works for a spy of... company, so obviously not. <laughs> oh my god! Point of Ant Man might be Scott like... Lang's a worker. Scott Lang's a worker. Like police unions are not um, considered to like fall under labor interests because they are dedicated to to preserving the interests of the state like that is the line yes yeah that's towed in like leftist organizations about that so i think like i think it would probably depend like batman is not a batman's not a laborer he's a fascist (laughs) if you're a fascist you cannot be a laborer you know i feel like this chris i think this should be a really good talking like an episode i think we're kind of like going into another episode point we're gonna we're gonna cover fascism at some point yeah we should do the fascism episode and then we should do another episode immediately after it's like which superheroes are workers (laughs) (laughs) and we just like break down every single one uh I was gonna do the same thing, but except or which ones are gay? But yeah, that's sure. it. yeah, yeah. Or you were gonna say Tony, Thomas? <laughs> that, that's the thing is like Tony doesn't have to actually deal with the fallout of any of this shit. Like the closest yeah. he comes to like having to to suffer a, a potential consequence is that is the boat scene when when all those people are almost killed, and that 
is more just sort of a plot beat so that way Peter yep. can feel admonished ra rather than like really making a point about like Tony's role in all this. He just kind of shows up to scold to and then leaves. Tony's Tony. arc surrounding Peter doesn't has not ended yet. It it should end yeah. in Avengers 4. Does that make sense? Uh, like at yes, the end of yes. Spider-Man Homecoming, Tony does not realize how shitty he was to Peter at all. Um, yeah. In Avengers three, he doesn't he he like he he helps him and he wants him to be a part of this. And then he figures he like Tony learns that he fails. In Avengers four, he needs to learn how he was not good for him. He was not good for Peter. Does that make and 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 that would complete it? But it it's upsetting that you don't see that in Homecoming. And even more directly than like whether or not he understands how he affects like peter on a personal level like he doesn't he doesn't know who the vulture is until he finds he's like told by happy i guess at the end um yeah. when he like and that's why he makes him the the avengers offer but like tony stark literally at no fucking point did he at all have any idea of what was happening why peter was trying to stop it who the vulture was or why he was the vulture like and, he and also know why 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 was he the vulture yeah as, as you yeah, just exactly. said like what caused him to be that exactly yeah. like tony is the one who should be forced to experience reckoning here not peter yeah like, it's fine that peter does like from a storytelling standpoint like it's good uh, like it is that that twist it, it, that he learns how to be the hero like physically overcoming various obstacles etc mm -hmm. that's why it like works that... as a good origin movie yeah uh um, and that's i think you know that type of stuff the fact that that tony does not end up having to deal with it is why i don't feel as strongly about this as like a work portraying leftism as as i think some other people or not portraying leftism but like exploring it exploring oh of labor. course um it, it, as other people because like because the the person that that labor is ultimately positioned against does not have to like it is not dealt with in the movie at all really mm -hmm. uh, and and that's why i think that like i hesitate i, to I don't like, i'm not they <laughs> did it you yeah know? Uh, one of the things that like I've mentioned, I, it's like I don't think that, I mean, currently we're not going to be seeing uh, any of these major talking points of of leftism in Marvel movies for a few years, uh, unless people's like uh, unless yeah, I don't know, Taika Waititi wants to include it in whatever random movie he starts making by just reading shit about you know just reading Marx, um, but I don't, uh, that's why like I don't. I think it's like, yeah, they'll talk about it, but they'll talk about it in like the menial sense, the same way that like you talk to like your average laborer and just say like, hey, unions are good. And they're just like, yeah, unions are good. And that just that I think that that kind of understanding, that populist understanding that like that, that's the bare minimum. I feel you. Yeah. So, but yeah. Chris, do you want to? Man, we were yeah. just going. We were. No, that was good. Oh boy. Seize um... <laughs> the means of production. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, I guess one way to connect all of the villains together is kind of like their last scene that you kind of see them win. So, you know, like Michael Keaton's last scene was him not disclosing was was not sharing Peter Parker's identity to uh, Mac Gargan. Um, 
kind of showing that okay yeah this kid's game i respect um he is it's a little moment of redemption um you know the lizard has that in the jail scene where he's like you should leave the boy alone and uh sandman has that doc ock has that whereas like green goblin still tries to murder him <laughs> which is then when he said uh don't tell don't tell harry yeah yeah um and then venom and electro just fucking die <laughs> yeah venom um, and electro yeah what's that yeah. oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah sorry yeah. you you were you got blown I was up like, yeah, i was like what i thought you said like yeah. electrode for a second uh, like that's a pokemon yeah electrode <laughs> uh blue you uh, self-destruct um, <laughs> so yeah i i'm wondering like what are things that um with the whole idea that hey kevin feige came in here in uh making the spider-man movie and being like, okay, we're not going to do the same things that the other movies did. We are going to not do another origin story. We are not going to start off with the Green Goblin. <laughs> um, we're not going to start off with the Gwen Stacy romance. So I'm wondering, like, what, what do you think they learned from all the non-NCU movies to create that Vulture character? If any lessons at all, and how do you think they're going to like you know Anthony? You were talking about uh, Mysterio, so like any speculation yep. on like what they might so, what they might so, have done with him? So some of the things with like like the face value superhero uh, Spider-Man villains is that they're cartoonishly villains in the sense that they're there's the there's what you see in the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans where it's like the good and the bad side of them, and they're very distinct and very very clear like. There are good aspects and there are bad aspects and then they're both layered in the same person, but they're not interacting at all. There are two separate layers that don't interact. Whereas when you have Adrian Toomes, you have them both coinciding being as the bad actions are results of, of, of uh, trying to do good or trying to do right based on certain understandings of morals. That's way more complicated than what we had in the past. And I think moving forward, I think when you have your, your Mysterio, I think they're also doing um, a chameleon. Um, so it's like a shapeshifter type of um, villain. Um, I think it will more have to do with Peter's psyche. But when it comes to um, and how he has to be more adult about these types of things when it comes to being a superhero... Um, which will be interesting, but I think when it comes to how they're going to deal with Mysterio and the villains in the movie itself, I don't, I don't know. I think it's going to be. I hope it's more of the same. Like, I like, like the whatever his name is. Um, he's like the villains are people that were damaged by the systems, and that their fallback is being villains. And it's about Peter understanding those systems. And that's how you kind of break it down. Does he understand the systems? I, I, I hope he does. I, like, to learn, <laughs> to under, like, to see, oh, that's bad. Hmm. The, the, the systems that cause the villains to be that way. Um, Izzy and Thomas, any thoughts on that? Actually, because you're right, like, the systems that... I think that in some fundamental way, like Peter's like Peter learning the systems, like that's how he becomes a hero, like obviously. But I would know, yeah, I was I remember now. I was gonna say, well, based on like the background you're describing to Mysterio, 
it's almost like it feels both very like it, it feels both like a challenge to do because Mysterio is a special effects technician and he uses his own and like he makes his own like hallucinogenic drugs that will trick Peter like that seems like compared to all these villains we've had like that's very like it feels very like showy and technical and like it really stands out among like the rogues gallery that we've listed so far and like that'll be interesting to see how Marvel tackles this but at the same time like the arts I feel like the arts industry in and of itself is still very very hard to break into and like that special effects the VFX technician aspect might already lend itself so it gives itself like an easier hand I might be I mean they might it. even just make him they may make him like a street magician <laughs> I mean I, they may they might change it up drastically it's um, in Europe right yeah like it own... is in Europe but like but I mean it's played by him Mysterio's played by Jake Gyllenhaal I mean I a don't men, an American I don't, boy I've never heard Jake Gyllenhaal ever do an accent of any kind um <laughs> an American so I don't know boy if trying to do this because like I was thinking like are they gonna try to make this prestige because that would be kind of cool like if they were just like, "Hey, we're gonna make this like the Prestige, but like mixed with like, uh, like a like Euro trip." Uh, <laughs> I don't know, but like, just think about that right before the trailers come out. I don't want to. Okay, uh, the Prestige mixed with Euro trip. That's the image I'm giving to all of you out there. Uh, just try to wrap your brain around that. Well, because also yeah, this, I just um, it'll be interesting. Yeah, because this film is also. If you're thinking about it, this film is ba- so far from home is basically going to be Iron Man three for a new for another generation almost because it's dealing with the after effects of this huge movie that we still don't know the answers to. Well, obviously, they haven't come out yet. So, so it's still dealing. So I'm hoping that it's still. I'm hoping that far from home still balances what homecoming has done so well with the fact that you just came off of one of actually no at this at that point the biggest superhero movie we are ever going to have right now and so i think you have to and so i hope like marvel deals with that like in a nuanced way but yeah i think pretty much like i think it's not just like the previous spider-man movies but also just the MCU in general, because we've mentioned like Homecoming is a very like MCU ingrained movie. Like without like a bunch of these, without like the Avengers, like Homecoming couldn't have happened. And so I think it's not just learning from the previous Spider-Man films, but also the MCU. No, no, I I, I see what you were getting at. It's like how Feige and Co saw what we already have in the MCU, um, and said, okay, how are we going to take what we already have, this plethora of things that we already know. And how are we going to make just some random kid be affected by all of this? Yeah. And, oh. and how are we going to make the villain of that movie also be affected by this? They know they know how to um, take previous established events and movies and have that as like the prelude as like as the context for a new story. Yeah. Like the same way I, I was like glowing to you guys in the Thanksgiving episode about how yeah. Ant Man the Wasp used Civil War as like yep. the premise of that movie. And so. a yeah. lot of phase three movies talked about this as well. It's about and like I always bring it back to that Polygon article that I mentioned at the beginning of the uh at the beginning of our show, um, back in May and June. Uh there's that one Polygon article after Homecoming came out about what 
about how the movie brings up legacy in the MCU. And that is something incredibly important moving forward and how the characters and not not only the, not only the main superheroes, but also the supervillains are going to be affected by the legacy of the movies that came before it. And how are that? How is that going to affect their psyche, their physical powers, their um, the people they interact with, side characters, uh, supporting characters, all that? How is they going to all be affected by the movies that came before it? And it's actually applying it appropriately, because this is the only time that this is the only time we've ever seen something of this magnitude. Uh, Ten plus movies, uh, twenty plus movies. Yeah, it's being aware about not just like the greater world, but also about. The old, like their own universe, like it's being aware. Oh, of oh all yeah, sides. that as well. Not like the movies that came out in their, like the the thing, the events that happened in their universe and the events that happened in our universe, and how is that going to apply back and forth? And I think that will be interesting, is going between what happens here and what happens there. Uh Thomas, what you got? Take us home. Um. I, okay, one quick question. Do we know where in the timeline uh, Far From Home is taking place? Is it going to be immediately after? after before Infinity War premiered, they said it would be right after Avengers 4. That's what they said. Oh, okay. Yeah, Infinity so War. he's going to be. So, <laughs> so it will be so the like, Iron Man 3 sure of this that, new world. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm like a hundred percent sure that they're gonna kill Tony Stark because I'm pretty sure that Robert Downey Jr. would like to do anything other than another iron man role <laughs> well well they never pointed it out but they pointed out specifically that this was steve rogers last movie mm, okay so i think um, what they'll do is they'll make tony like they'll send tony away to do his own thing and not be involved at all and then like maybe further down the line i don't know i'm probably gonna hate it that's what walking dead did with rick grimes a few weeks ago <laughs> no, yeah, i heard send him off into the sunset yeah, wait, because I saw, sorry, I saw a tweet that said, I think it was, it was from someone, like, significant that said, yes, this is Captain America's last movie, but he's not done. And so, I don't know what that implies, but I think, like. that. Well, that's probably clickbait, but it's probably, like, he can still sign more movies to be in, like. I can just, he can appear whenever he wants. What, what were you saying, what, Thomas, what were you yeah, saying? Sorry about that. Before you I, on the tangent. Initially, I was going to say that I think that. Spider-Man's villains work best when they have motivations and lives outside of Spider-Man. Like, mm -hmm. Doc Ock uh, has, you know... I mean, like, Doc Ock kind of is a grudge-based villain because he wants to get back at New York for, like, taking his uh, juice and, and killing his wife. But, like, Michael Keaton's Vulture is really interesting because he just... Like, every time spider-man shows up he's like oh this fucking guy again um spider-man <laughs> comes to him it's not it's not a grudge match all these other all these other movies they've all been grudge matches it's oh like you kill you're sandman you killed my dad or my second dad um and, the, <laughs> and like venom like i hate spider-man because i'm eddie brock and i'm venom and like fucking the green wow dog. that's like, all that's that shit you sound all like that... one of those like animated like fan clips. Was like I'm bad. Ooh, ah. yeah. <laughs> um, that's all grudge based, and like I don't really think that that's particularly interesting or valuable tension. Like, I, like what really works about Homecoming and how it can have 
broader points to talk about other than like oh like good versus evil and the tragedy of the fall is like oh like yeah he michael keaton's character like wants to do something and has like ideas and and goals beyond like killing the spider-man um and so initially it was going to be like oh it shouldn't be a grudge match but knowing that it's after avengers infinity war part two where a shitload of people are hopefully gonna die god I want, I want there to be consequences in these goddamn movies for once. I want some people to need to die. Die. Yeah. Um, I think that there is an interesting avenue there for Peter being sort of emotionally compromised and maybe being uh, reckless in, in ways and hurtful in ways and perhaps that motivating Mysterio because I do know that Mysterio's character in the, in the canon is like that he's obsessed with taking out spider-man because he blames him for not having a job again or something like that um yeah i think so, I, that, that's that's like how the core of the sinister six happen is that they like they all got put in jail by spider-man or they all been damaged by spider-man so they all want to team up to stop spider-man yeah so you know like there's a lot of ways that i just i if they do do some sort of grudge match thing i hope that it is because that because peter parker legitimately like fucked up like i i want i want i want peter parker to do something bad that no one can like really like justify and that yeah that'd be cool that would be good Um, that's like what what triggers everything and like it's not that the villain already existed and it's not that the villains act like it's like spider-man himself because of what spider-man actually what peter actually did yeah spider-man like something he did like created this film like it's his fault and you haven't really exactly i think yeah electro tried to did it electro tried to be that but it's just not 2012 (laughs) yeah and and i think it would also like finally really kind of deliver on him actually screwing up because tony likes to scold him and and punish him in in ways but like spider-man's never actually done the wrong thing in those situations he's just sort of like done the right thing and pushed up against his limits no one's really been hurt by that um so i would i would love to see one of these one of these superheroes like truly fuck up and he's the perfect character for that because he's a kid he's inexperienced he will be emotionally compromised and also he just hung with the big dogs like maybe he's feeling a little reckless in in his like emotional damage you know there was a there was a deleted scene there was a deleted scene from homecoming where when peter's in germany he puts on the suit that tony gave him and he just starts swinging around berlin like saving people hanging out with people he goes to like there's like it's like face cam uh parkour and then he ends up at like a rooftop party and then starts dancing and then takes pictures with them. It's actually pretty funny. But like, I want that. I want that again. Well, that is the uh, sinister. Um, not the sinister. Wait, is it? Wait, are these? Oh, wait, these are not six villains because there are multiple villains in some of these movies. So. The Sinister 6-plus of the Spider-Man films. Um, yeah, um, I think that just about does it for us. We're a little over an hour and a half, so... 
we covered a lot of stuff today. Yes, we did. Um, Anthony, where can people find your uh, fun rants on Twitter? <laughs> you can find a lot of fun rants. Yeah. Fun memes. Yes. At and yes. the pizza taco on Twitter. Yes. Uh, Izzy, where are you on the social media? I'm at Delirlin on Twitter. And, and Thomas, uh, where can people find you on social media and anything you want to plug? Uh, I am uh, at Thomas Lockney on Twitter. Uh, L O U G H N E Y. Uh, you can also find me over on the Major Casts Network. I'm on. If you if you enjoy my leftist sloganeering, you should listen to Media Majors, a podcast that I do Yeet. with my co-host, where we talk about uh, stories from our preferred interests of major media. I like to talk about uh, the realms of video game and internet culture, and he likes the realm of TV and movies. Are the gamers gonna rise up? <laughs> Are the gamers gonna rise up? Uh, Will I, they I'm rise frankly, up? Uh, frankly, I'm legitimately terrified of what the gamers would do if they organized. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Occupy um, gamers! I also, I also do a uh, monthly Stephen King podcast breaking down his uh, theatrical adaptions. It's called King Me. Um, wow, and that's actually also, pretty cool. I'm on, I'm on a, uh, I, it's the world's shortest comedy podcast. It's called We Are Experts, and it's me and my two friends, Eric and Liam. And we pick a topic that we don't know anything about. We we riff on what it could possibly be, and then we research it, uh, and it's a lot of fun. You can also find uh, I write about games and such over on a personal website, nakedcriticism.com. If you you know if you like reading stuff, you can check that out there. <laughs> I Thank like you very much for having me. Absolutely, yeah. Cool. I'm, I, I'm enjoying. This is yeah, awesome. I'm enjoying all this. Uh, these crossovers we're doing. Like, I, I was on King Me, which was a really yes. fun, the most we did. ambitious crossover um, event. Yeah, Super Eric cool. McAdams was on the show, and I was on uh, his Big Time Whoopsies, so that was a good time. Uh, yeah, networking, right? Hey, yeah. Okay, that'll wrap it up. That's episode 28. Goodbye, wow, that, everyone. Chris, whoa, whoa, what? so fast. What? You're just what? So fast. What do you want, Tony? You're just so fast. You're I social. need to eat. There's Burger King downstairs for me. Oh, that is... Uh, oh. <laughs> You're so, but what's, what's your, king, where can people king, find the, you, Chris? The king requires You know justice. where you can find me. That's competitor <laughs> on Twitter. All right. Okay, is that it, everyone? Did I miss anything yes. else? Because uh, uh, we do yes. have some, uh, we got some bigger stuff going on in the future, but uh, we're not just ready to talk about that just yet. Stay tuned. Wink, wink. Uh, okay. Bye. Wait, bye now? We're leaving? We say bye? Yes, goodbye. Goodbye. All right, goodbye. Bye, bye everyone. Bye. bye.